This is the Pennyworth Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Pennyworth Season 2, Episode 4, the mid-season finale, The Hunted Fox. Mr. Ripper's villains would win us many battles, but they would not win the war. If vile atrocities and brutish sadism won wars, we'd all be speaking German. Must we defeat monsters by becoming monsters ourselves? No. Love, compassion, the liberal virtues are our greatest weapons, not because they are virtues, but because they will win out in the end. If we were all to die tomorrow, what I say would still hold true. In the fullness of time, other good people will rise to take up our banners and fight on. And we shall win out in the end because humanity is with us. Welcome back, fellow governors, to the Pettyworth Podcast for Pettyworth Season 2, Episode 4 on TV Podcast Industries. This is the mid-season finale of Pettyworth, um, The Haunted Fox. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow governors. I'm one of your other hosts, John. As we mentioned in our last episode, even though Episode 3 and 4 were broadcast as a mid-season finale on one night, we decided to podcast about each of the episodes separately to kind of give them their due. There was a lot that happened in Episode 3 um, and a lot that happened in Episode 4, so doing a podcast about both of them in one might have made a really long podcast or we might have missed certain things we really wanted to talk about. Um, one other reason for that is because I wanted to get one of the bits for the episode. What we do on our podcast, as you know, as we're from Ireland, have a lot of uh, knowledge about UK stuff. I wanted to get one piece out of the episode, which was the speech from Mr. Penhaligon, the Cordish candidate. Um, I couldn't get it when we were watching it originally um, because, well, I thought it was just his accent that was confusing me, but actually he's speaking in Cornish. This is what it sounds like. In conclusion, as we say west of the Tamar, learn a silly UO scath burgessy. So I thought I was going to easily be able to translate that. I thought I'd get the subtitles. Actually, it would be in English, but it turns out that the speech is in Cornish. I shouldn't have waited, John. Do you know why? Go on, let us know. Because the translation of the Cornish that he speaks in that scene is actually an old Monty Python joke. Ah, excellent. It's about somebody using a Hungarian true English translation book and saying the phrase, my hovercraft is full of eels. <laughs> so they translated that into Cornish, and that's what he says in front of the crowd. No wonder they have the reaction they do, which is complete silence after he says it. But it's just to illustrate that the character is from is from Cornwall, and that a lot of the people in the group are all in London, so they wouldn't understand his Cornish accent. But it is just a joke, and I waited for two days to get a copy of the uh, of the episode with subtitles <laughs> to get that. So uh, we're sorry for the slight delay in our podcast, but it was a good joke. Well done, writer. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, good job. Including Monty Python is always a good sign uh, and always good to think back to old Monty Python. There's a bit of that weird craziness in, in Pennyworth, to be honest. There is a um, bit, So yeah. it feels right, to be honest. Yeah, unfortunately, four episodes in, we haven't seen any more grannies in uh, in carrying guns uh, no, for the season. No, I, I think it's an opportunity missed by them, to be <laughs> honest. I think so. But you never know. Maybe when we come back with the second half of the season. Uh, later this later in 2021, um, we heard that it's coming back in March of 2021. The, the season will return then. Um, so hopefully they'll have uh, recruited some more grannies at guns uh, for the show. <laughs> Defend, defending London, I think. Well, they'll need to if uh, the Raven Union's plans or anything to go by. They mm-hmm. seem to be ramping up to attack, um, most likely with... Uh, Stormcloud, yeah, Captain Salt's Stormcloud mm-hmm. project. Yeah, let's jump in to this discussion about episode four then, John. Um, I know we've already talked about episode three. I know our, our listeners have watched both episodes, so I'm sure we can dive straight into it. Um, as we will be finishing up our Pennyworth podcast here uh, after this episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast over at tvpodcastindustries.com so you can get the other stuff that we'll be covering between now and when the show returns in March. I know we're definitely going to be covering WandaVision, which comes out uh, in January, on January 15th uh, on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. And then after that, I think the next show that's coming out is um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which comes out on March 19th. So we could be doing Pennyworth and 
uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier at the same time. Yeah. Uh, if, depending on when um, this show returns in March. We don't know the exact date yet, but I'm expecting it's going to be early March uh, when it returns. And if you want to send in any thoughts on the first part of Pennyworth, if you're just catching up on it, email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any thoughts that you have, and we'll discuss them when we return uh, with the Pennyworth podcast. Yeah, I think let's get on with our spoiler-filled review. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Well, the episode was written by Seth Sinclair. He's an executive story editor for the show and wrote season one, episode seven, Julie Christie. You remember that episode because it was the one that featured Crowley and Patricia's relationship, let's yes. say. That really trippy episode. And I'm sure you noticed there was a lot of references to uh, Mr. Crowley and the uh, the worshipping of the devil from uh, as a previous partner of Patricia. He's obviously going to be better, uh, they say about Jack. He's obviously going to be better than someone that worships the devil. So, um, you know, maybe uh, that, that was played in there by Seth as he was the writer of that episode yeah well i mean certainly patricia's new boyfriend um is maybe a step up from crowley but Mm. uh not an awful lot um certainly martha decides to um put him in his place certainly uh, tied up. Hogtied, <laughs> if you will. Good old Martha. Good old Martha. Uh, the episode was directed by Rob Bailey. We talked about Rob Bailey because he directed episode three, uh, the episode just before this. Uh, we talked about his, his experience with Gotham yeah. and with, uh, with Bruno Heller and Danny Cannon. So great to see him back for this uh, finale episode of the, of this half of the season. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. As the death of Baza still resonates, Alfie struggles with his choices that ultimately led to the death of his friend. At Baz's funeral, Alfie decides to team up with Gully to get the money to pursue his American dream. An attack on the Lord Murr by Alfie, Dave Boy and Gully and his team to steal gold bars sees tension rise between Gully and Alfie. At Delaney's, Dave Boy turns on one of Gully's men, Banjo, and friendships are on a knife edge between Gully and Alfie. But as they settle their differences, Gully's wife, Mrs. Troy and Alfie share a moment down at the bar. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, after being shot at by Union forces, Bet Sykes and Katie make it to Lee-controlled London. But after a couple of days on the streets, she finally tracks down her sister, Peggy, at her new sex aid establishment, <laughs> Sykes Payne. Elsewhere, the English League holds hostings for a new leader, and at Raven Union headquarters, the high command of Francis Gaunt and Lord Harwood looks delicate as Captain Salt weaves his spidery web to sow dissent and ensure the deployment of his Project Stormcloud. As Lord Harwood becomes increasingly impatient at the lack of military success to reclaim London, Salt demonstrates the potential of his chemical weapon to claim total victory, as the spy by the name of Dr. Lucius Fox watches on. Ooh, Dr. Lucius Fox. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was great, um, getting uh, Lucius Fox. I was wondering, who is this guy that they've just followed into the toilet cubicle mm-hmm. um, uh, and sort of wiring up the heel of his shoe with his security pass with everything else? Um, and that was great. That all was a the great gadgets, little yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, all the gadgets, a miniature camera, so he can film everything through a security pass, a tape recorder and his shoe. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, Lucius Fox, uh, obviously well known from the movie universe and from the comic books and from Gotham uh, played by Chris Chalk over in Gotham but uh, he's the one that tends to supply the gadgets to Batman so uh, kind of interesting to see him in Pennyworth especially because in Gotham they had their first meeting on that show Alfred and uh, and, um, Lucius Fox met for the first time in that show so I wonder I know these shows aren't connected Gotham and and Pennyworth aren't connected they are written by the same writers but I wonder will they keep Alfred and uh, and yeah, keep that Lucius separation. Apart, you know, yeah. it'd be interesting to see see where he comes in. But let's get into our way of discussing discussing these episodes. We usually talk about them in terms of Alfie and the boys uh, in one section because Alfie is the main character on the show. Obviously, uh, then we talk about the Raven Union uh, segments of the show and the English League, and then we kind of talk about anything that didn't fit particularly in with those those main topics that we choose at the beginning of a season. So they don't they don't always uh, pan out as the show goes on. Uh, but this time, um, this is going directly on from episode three. We're going to kick off with Alfie and the boys. Um, yeah, we're one boy down uh, yeah, with yeah. Baz's death. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was nice that it, it kept on that mm-hmm. tack, to be honest, uh, right before the opening credits with Alfie's dream. And this was really nice um, shot with the, the shadows and the black and white mm-hmm. uh, with Alfie um, talking to, to Dave Boy. I thought it was kind of interesting that ultimately it gets turned on Alfie as opposed to, to Dave Boy, yeah. uh, who... 
basically lets slip um to Victor the 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 thief who stole Alfie's money um but he, you know it was Dave boy that let slip but it comes back down on um on Alfie and Dave boy uh, blames Alfie and it, and it's more to do with um you know all you can think of is money 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 and effectively that uh, Alfie is becoming obsessed with America 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 and it is this um it's this total sort of blinkered view of what he's wanting to do that effectively Dave Boy says meant that, you know, we, we went in without reconning where Victor's was at the, the fairground. Um, and that led to, to, to Baz's, um, death. And mm-hmm. um, I think there's a great little line that comes in, you know, at, at Baz's funeral where Alfie is speaking with Gully and he says, you know, 10 years jungle combat. Um, uh, but he got, te- but we got taken out by a greasy cocktail waitress. <laughs> um, you know, it was my fault. We went in too soon, t- rushed with no plan. Yeah. And ultimately that is what Dave boy is coming here. And I think, um, I, I kind of really enjoyed, um, a bit of that shade uh, being thrown onto Alfie and the yeah. idea that actually his American dream is an American obsession. Um, and all about getting the money. I, I'm still a little just on the money aspect. You know, mm-hmm. he owns and runs a club. Yeah. I suspect he would be making good money given by um the the people frequenting his establishment. Yeah. It it seems I, I get it's probably top up money. Um but you know, my feeling is is that as long as the place is making profit, then um, he should be rolling in the cash. Uh, you know, it does look like that. You know, the the, the swinging twenties and and thirties. There, you know, cocktail club land. Yep. It it has both Raven and League. You know, it's kind of a no man's land. It's kind of an armistice place. So well, yeah, he's certainly got a bigger market. So, but he's just lost twenty grand. Remember, a lot of money. And yeah. well, that's that true. was all off the books money, so nobody could trace it. Um, so that's part of the thing they're trying to escape without telling anybody that they're going. So if somebody's looking at their books and, and seeing this amount of money disappearing into Alfie's bank account directly, uh, they'll probably know <laughs> that uh, that he's doing something with it, whereas this is all stuff that Alfie's keeping in a safe. Um, this did go very differently than we were talking about in episode three. Um, I kind of thought that the death of Baza was going to give Dave Boy a storyline in this episode. We're going to give Dave Boy that moment where he realizes the things that he's done in the past is what led to Baz's death. I know the opening is a dream, and this is Alfie blaming himself again yeah, exactly. for what he's done. This is the kind of personality that Alfie has. He takes everything on board to himself and give and put, apportions the blame to himself. But I would like to see a little bit of reaction from Dave Boy, other than mourning a lost comrade. Um, because I don't feel like we've had much of that for Dave Boy. Like that, this seems like a perfectly built storyline to expand your cast and expand the experiences of the other members of your ensemble cast. Uh, I, I suppose the big difference with this show being that it's called Pennyworth, not Gotham or London, 1960 DC or something. It's called Pennyworth. So everything has to kind of focus yeah. around that main character. Yeah. I just thought last episode, I was kind of going, this is a big character death and should impact more than just Alfie. Yeah. I mean, I think, as you say, Alfie's dream uh, with Baza coming to blame him. And, I, you know, I like the fact that Baza was very focused on Alfie. That's Alfie internalizing it. Yes, yeah. he's sharing it a bit with Gully. Uh, but I think from an external point of view as well, it would have been really nice to have seen Dave Boy um, maybe going through his motions uh, on and his guilt around the death of Baza. Yeah. I mean, we do have that nice moment where he, you know, he... Um, raises a glass of or a bottle of single malt exactly. uh, as a tribute to to Baza. I, I like as well the Alfie's mum um is there at at the funeral as well, along with Gully and his team, you know, sort of closing ranks and, yeah. and really um coming out to pay tribute to, to Baza. I love the words from Alfie's mom. I loved where she was talking yeah. about him being wise behind his years. He was a real gentleman. He always, you know, it was always a pleasure to see 
Bazaar around. It's a lovely, lovely moment of tribute. And then Dave Boy tries to start whistling uh, Lily of the Lamplight. Very well-known uh, song, for uh, particularly for funerals or for t- particularly for those kind of uh, mournful celebrations. And is told to stop very quickly by, by Alfie because, hey, we've got Sandra here. She's an actual singer who yeah, can do the song justice. Definitely. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you, you don't really get the sense from Dave Boy. And it would have been nice if that was played a bit more. I mean, even, yeah. you know, at the funeral... Um, Alfie really kind of, you know, comes on board with helping Gully out on these two jobs that come up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would have been nice that, you know, the tensions that you see, uh, after that, um, robbery and hold up, um, between Dave Boy and Banjo, that maybe there was a bit more, you know, that it was coming from that place rather than it was, because they were doing a robbery and yeah. you know the, there was an unease from Alfie that well we're not thieves we we do jobs at you know it's kidnappings mm-hmm. or extractions that kind of thing more military yeah, yeah. <laughs> more but more military kind of feel in in a sense whereas yeah. this is a straight off robbery on the lord mayor and that attack was really really good i loved the style of the Horse carriage being drawn by a car. Very good, cool. yeah. You know, that ye olde look of the Lord Murbut surrounded by, you know, with machine guns and all that. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a really, that was a perfect Pennyworth feel to, to how the Lord Mayor of London would be, uh, riding around the city at mm-hmm. this time. So I thought that was very cool. But, um, yeah, lots yeah. of, lots of violence in here from Alfie's, uh, the, the, it's kind of ratcheting it up the tension as he's going to try and get the information out of the Lord Mayor here where this gold bullion is effectively, you know, it is like a highway robbery. It's, it's like, a, a, you know, 1800s kind of kind of thing that the little highwayman. Um, but and yeah, he, he's going very, very violent. Here. Yeah, and he, but he also has that flashback when he places the 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 charge on mm-hmm. the door to blow it open, and it, there's the you know the flashback to the car blowing up and taking out Bowser. And I think that was really good. Yeah. Again, I think it would have been good if as well that had happened with Dave Boy. It yeah. would have been nice to kind of see them. Yes, they're barely functional in Gully's team uh, because effectively once he did that he was sidelined as they they moved on and then he becomes as I say really violent just kind of get the job done but I would have really liked to have seen it um, affect Dave Boy mm-hmm. here and I think really um, you know make them barely functioning but there's a lot of tension here as a result of Baz's death really we see not only between Alfie and Gully, mm-hmm. Dave Boy and Banjo, you know, a lot of it's murked with the job rather than Baz's death. But you, yeah. I think ultimately it probably is to do with Baz's death because of that flashback on the attack of the Lord Mayor, but also with Sandra before going on that job, mm-hmm. you know, and then effectively Alfie immediately jumping in on um gully's wife mrs troy um <laughs> effectively and giving her a big kiss um at delaney's yeah. after gully and alfie have kind of i would say secured a truce between the two of them mm-hmm. rather than made up and are now friends again yeah but it's certainly a, weird stu- yeah. a lot of tension in this group and i suspect it's going to go downhill again very quickly yeah there's, there is some weird stuff with the writing there but um where alfie and uh, is is challenging gully um when gully hits his wife effectively and he says to her says to gully if you want to hit your wife hit her at home <laughs> and you hear you hear uh mrs troy going Oh, that's very chivalrous of you. And then later on, she goes, "Oh, I did mean that was very chivalrous of you." And then they kiss, and you're kind of going, "No, that wasn't chivalrous no, at all." Not he at was all. saying, "Go home and hit your wife at home because I don't want to see it." Basically, I can't control what you do at home, kind of thing. But there is, yeah, there's a real good bit of tension there with uh, with Gully when he's kind of they're, they're standing up against each other. I suppose, as you say, I wish it was connected with the death of Baza, the tension, but it's actually played out as. Dave, as Dave it's not. Boy, yeah, but as Dave Boy and Alfie are working for somebody else now, yeah, uh, Baz and Dave Boy work for Alfie because they trust Alfie. He's the leader of that group. Now that Baz has gone, the two of them now have to work for Gully, who they don't really trust. And he's trying to tell them what to do all the time. He's telling them when to get drunk. He's telling them when to celebrate. He's telling them what to do. And neither of them like this. 
but it's not tied to that connection with Baza. Um, but I love that line from uh, from Gully Troy saying, you know, I'm Gulliver Troy and you do not cross me. And Alfie responding with, I'm Alfred Pennyworth and I just did. What yeah. are you going to do, do about it? You know, it's a really good challenge because this is two leaders right here just butting heads, you know. So you wonder where that's going to go. Him kissing <laughs> Troy's wife downstairs directly under the balcony where Gulliver Troy is. Probably not the greatest idea of ideas. He will definitely find out in the well, second she, half of the season. Yeah, I mean, she does slap him as well. It's kind of like, don't do that. And maybe that was just in case Gully, Gully was watching on. Mm-hmm. So she could kind of feign the the um, sort of besmirched woman, yeah. if you will. But I, I think as well, you know, un- until you mentioned it, I hadn't really thought that... What Alfie said in terms of you can beat her at home, yeah. it doesn't feel like Alfie to me. And again, it's like it would have been better if that was because he is completely out of his own zone because he's under bereavement. And mm-hmm. I guess that's what it is, but it just didn't translate well enough for that to be the reason. It, as you say, it came across more that they were annoyed because they were now having to take orders from Gully, as you say, as, as that whole conversation between the two of them where they draw knives on one another yeah. uh, comes out. It, it, it feels more like a professional rivalry uh, and uh, wanting to move on from being in the army uh, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you say, Alfie being his own boss rather than it being because Alfie is barely functioning when he does this because he's still bereaving um, uh, the loss of one of his best friends, Bazza. So I think that could have come out a lot better, I think, in this episode. Yeah. But I do like the touch points that they did have here uh, with Bazza's funeral, mm-hmm. with the the dream, with some of the flashbacks. Um, and, you know, so you know that that was in the mix, but at, at times it felt like it had nothing to do with that yeah yeah i think it's it's something really in that conversation with sandra and uh and alfie after they've slept together after he wakes up at three o'clock in the morning to go out on that job basically it says we'll send you home in a car um sandra has that conversation with her where she says she's looking on and he's getting colder and colder uh, as time is going on he's becoming a very cold dispassionate type of person um, and i think that's part of the, the character that they're building here of Alfie while he's still in London is that he's getting colder and more dispassionate or at least trying to hide that side of himself and it seems to be popping up in his dreams his blaming himself he's not having those conversations with people in the real in real world he's having them with his father in his dreams he's having them with Dave Boy and Baza when Baza comes back he's he's got the issues with his mum and not wanting to go to America yeah but um, all that stuff is coming out in his yeah. subconscious, like it did in season one after he, he lost his uh, his fiance. A lot of this stuff is him being very cold, calculating uh, when he's with other people, but he's, below, below he, the yeah. surface, he's not uh, not doing too well. It's kind of everything that's happened, because even Esme has had a flashback in the um, uh, Esme, the, Esme the death. Yeah, yeah with the death. The so right. I, I do feel that um it's all just getting on top of him and he's not able to process it and it would i think it's all just a cumulative build up happening here mm-hmm. um i i feel they could have with the significance of baz's death at least for me um i wish they'd just drawn that out a bit more to kind of say it it's just that that's it's the next thing that's just sort of piling on the pressure for alfie and at the moment the only way he sees out is his American dream. Exactly. And I think that is what was kind of being said there. But it, I think you really have to root for that a bit here. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, we can kind of roll into the Raven Union parts of this episode um, at, at this point here. Um, I think the connection between the two is uh, is Beth is still on the run. She's made it to London. Um and they do find the Lord Mayor after uh, Alfie and and the boys have taken have taken the Lord Mayor out and left him to die on the on the streets. Beth yeah, Beth does nick a fiver exactly. She does find uh, the Lord Mayor goes through his pockets and steals enough money for uh, for a brekkie. <laughs> Things are looking up. Yeah, know? I mean, like I was just thinking, the Lord Mayor has been there for quite some time because it was at night time that they did the the jump on him. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's very stand and deliver kind of highwayman exactly. type of. Uh, uh, attack on the Lord Mayor, and then it is Beck finding him the the next morning, and um, still kind of groaning. But I love that she just effectively fleeces him. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Bet, I am so glad that 
they've made it to London. Yes. And I'm really glad that she's found Peggy. Yeah. Um, a couple of things we need to talk about her, about her arrival in London as well. So, <laughs> uh, so confirmed here that she did sleep with the driver, um, female driver to, to get the passage down there. And, you know, uh, but they are, it looks like in the back of a, uh, truck full of bodies. It really does, yeah. Doesn't yeah, it? It does. Um, so that's that's been confirmed now. So we haven't really... We've had kind of uh, allusions to it throughout season one that Beth could possibly uh, be bisexual or a lesbian. But we haven't had her have a relationship with anybody, partly because she's a bit mental. Uh, not that I would say that to her face, but <laughs> partly because she's a bit crazy, so she hasn't been in any relationships, really. Um but this seems to be the first confirmation. Uh, we've we see that throughout the first couple of episodes with her and Katie, she's very possessive of Katie, and she's definitely attracted to her, is what we've said. But there may be more to it than that. There may be more, but on, at least on Beth's side, um, that, about what she wants out of Katie in this relationship with her. Uh, definitely, I, I actually really liked um, Beth and Katie here. Um, you know, th- there was a lot of kind of lines that uh, Beth is. You know, she's still trying to figure out. Katie's kind of connection with her, and mm-hmm. I, I think it, it's that as well that gives the the, the sexual tension there from from Beth's side towards yeah. Katie, where she says, "Do you trust me?" And Katie's sort of, you know, she can't be too definite because Beth will just, you know, change position um, with the wind, um, oh, yeah. and you know, well, she, she like- is that that sort of highly strung, unstable person that Francis Gaunt and Salt have said to Lord Harwood, yeah. and Katie can really feel that. And I like how she kind of wants to, does Katie, but she can't because she, first of all, she was arrested by her side, she was interrogated by her, but then mm-hmm. these these kind of mood swings that happen uh, towards her that she just doesn't quite, she can't predict. Um, Bet at all, yeah. So I, well, the I, I kind of really like that. The reaction yeah. from Bet when Casey said that she's a bit mad, um, you know, it was the stereotypical "you're calling me a bit mad," <laughs> about to kill her, effectively, and then kind of holds back for a second. Um, but I, I do like that Bet called Katie a soft bun, um, <laughs> or soft roll. You like a soft bun, um, after when she's gone you're rifling, so, a soft through, as a bun, yeah, you're soft as a bun right. after she'd been rifling through the Lord Mayor and stuff, and mm-hmm. um, I think. And I'm really pleased. I'm so pleased Bet and Peggy are back together. Yeah. I really am pleased because I do feel that this story needs to just move on mm-hmm. a little. Um, I, I get they were on the run. I get we had to see that. There's part of me that feels like I, I want Bet to get in the central part of this story yeah. now, really, you know, knee deep, whether that is connecting in with Alfie or somehow trying to get some revenge on Harwood because she thinks that he has attacked her. Right. Um, oh, confirmation this episode that it wasn't. It, it, it's certainly not Harwood. It wasn't Harwood. No, no it but was. she doesn't know that, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But we, we know it was Salt now. Uh, yeah. That's been properly confirmed. I don't know whether we just missed it in the lines that it was Harwood sent, uh, get the information to Salt to go and pick up uh, Beth. So... That is confirmation that it was him that that did it off his own back. So uh, potentially he's also uh, not in for a good time in the future. Um, but yeah, great to see Beth and Peggy back together. Uh, really looking forward to seeing them uh, in the next half of the season uh, because there's there's just something about the interplay between the two of those characters. They're set up so well that Peggy is able to handle Beth no matter how crazy she gets. Exactly, suppose, which is quite yeah. good. And I think with Salt, I actually think Salt is setting Francis Gaunt up for mm-hmm. the wrath of Harwood. So it was Gaunt who said about Bet being unstable and whilst Salt agrees, you know, he kind of stays in the shadows oh, of yeah. Bit. And he has set this up, whether Gaunt even did that after Harwood said, no, we go and get her. Mm-hmm. And it, I think maybe Salt's playing from the sidelines or from the shadows here a bit. And we see again in this episode, Salt trying to sow seeds of discontent, or at least for the future. Mm-hmm. You know, Lord Harwood is being very clear. He doesn't want anyone from the Raven Union to go and parlay with the English League. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants total victory here. Um, but the conversation between Gaunt and Salt in the corridor, where it looks like he's teeing Gaunt to go off and parlay, exactly what Harwood doesn't want to do. Mm. He's had Bet Sykes attacked exactly like Lord Harwood didn't want to do. And at the interface of those is Francis Gaunt. Mm-hmm. You know, 
And I think it all comes back to um, Project Stormcloud, ultimately. Absolutely. He wants to deploy this uh, this thing he's worked on for uh, for such a long time, his, his project. <laughs> he definitely wants to deploy it. Harwood's also losing a bit of his health here as well. Yeah, he? we do get to see that. Yeah, yeah that him... We see him completely explode at everybody where they're, everybody's telling him what to do and he's going, I'm the High Chancellor of England. Nobody tells me what to do. You know, you, you get that kind of uh, real explosion from Harwood and then later on um after being given the tablets from uh, from salt to calm him down and to and to deal with whatever the medical issue is the un- unspoken medical issue uh, we see the conversation between Harwood and Gaunt where it gets to a point in the conversation and then he doesn't remember anything he said um so he's starting to I effectively lose some of his cognitive ability, let's say. Definitely. Um, and I'm wondering, is that something to do with Salt as well? You know, we see Salt give him medication. Yeah. He's obviously a scientist. He uh-huh. knows his chemicals. Is there something that he's doing here, again, to uh, remove Lord Harwood from his position? Yeah. Is that a bigger play from... Um, from Salt here. So, you know, I, I love how he's being really shadowy, but ultimately what we get here is with Lord Harwood really wanting this total victory, we get the test of Project Stormcloud, yes. um, which I think is really nicely done. It, it kind of was very reminiscent of those scenes where you see tests like this whether it's the you know the nuclear detonations Mm -hmm. for testing nuclear weapons where people are in you know a a distant secure location or like this you've got the protective glass uh, as they test uh, project stormcloud and of course deliciously brought in on all of this is dr lucius fox well yes just um, quickly which is fabulous absolutely just quickly definitely as the smoke filled the screen in front of that glass how how much were you waiting for that hand to come absolutely on the glass as it felt died? very zombie-esque actually yeah, definitely um, do you know honest. what it also was, was making me think they were it felt felt like what they wanted to accomplish with Stormcloud. Was what they actually the weapon that they had in the Serenity movie, Fire the Firefly Serenity movie, where it was effectively that they drop this gas and everybody just lays down and dies. Um, you know, it feels yeah. like that's what they wanted everybody to be perfectly preserved, so they could just kick them out and take the buildings. Basically, that's kind of what what seemed to be the plan. Stormcloud, while um, yeah, okay, it doesn't damage any of the property. It still doesn't seem to accomplish exactly what they wanted, not leaving any. Uh, form of bloody mess afterwards like the person that that smacks off the window you can see bloods coming out of them yes so uh, so maybe it, it doesn't leave them completely untouched like they're saying but at least leave the buildings intact is kind of the and the it's quick plan. it's certainly it's quick, quick. Mm. um so yeah I, I lo- they look, I, look like they're in pain though no absolutely i love but i love that whole testing i mean you see the the shock from francis gaunt and uh-huh. um, you can see Salt being pretty proud of his uh, project and his creation. Yeah. I think Lord Harwood is, this is what I'm looking for. Um, and, you know, let's deploy it effectively. And uh-huh. then let's talk we Lucius, see then. Lucius yeah. as well, a bit like Francis Gaunt going, what the hell? Yeah. So I guess as well he's CIA rather than English League spy. Yeah. Um, so, so I reckon yeah. that's where he's coming from is that and that will be his connection as well with Thomas Wayne. Mm, yeah, so comic books Lucius is a person that works for Wayne Enterprises. Um I know we've heard a little bit in the episode we'll talk about it later on a bit that Thomas Thomas Wayne talks about, you know, the lawyers for Wayne Enterprises are the people that find out information for him. He does have kind of a cabal of people working for Wayne Enterprises or the yeah. Wayne uh, Foundation or just the Waynes effectively. So whether Lucius is there on behalf of Thomas or whether he's working for the CIA the other kind of question about about the mission that he has here is, does Lucius know what he's going to see here? Or is he looking for information? Is he going into this society to try and find out how good or bad they are effectively? How how awful are their plans? And then he's he seems pretty surprised at what he's actually seeing with this test. So the test that he's now filmed. So I'm wondering whether he's on a mission to find out exactly what Project Stormcloud is, or was he on a mission to find out any plans he possibly could of the Raven Union. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I, I guess he would have to have been sort of embedded there for a while mm. to come to uh, Project Stormcloud, which is highly top secret yeah. and, and confidential. So I guess he's been there for a while. Yeah. I guess he may have even been working on aspects of it, maybe not necessarily the chemicals. Mm. We don't see that, but possibly deployment techniques. Yeah. Uh, what does he call himself again when he, when he goes in past the security guard? He calls himself a second tech support because, you know, you need more than one tech support person on these kind of yeah, projects. Yeah, so he's doing the computer <laughs> exactly. systems. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but really interesting to see him in there. I'm looking forward to seeing more of, uh, of Lucius. And yeah, definitely. And how they're going to handle it. As I say, my big question out of for Lucius now is... Will they keep him apart from Alfred Pennyworth in the Pennyworth TV show? I guess so. That so. he never knows that. I guess so. I, but I think it's a really nice introduction for Pennyworth to do, be, and certainly with the connection of of Thomas Wayne. I, I think here the connection is Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Uh, it won't be Pennyworth. Um, I think mm-hmm. there will be that distance there, and I I guess it will develop around Thomas Wayne and the CIA. But I do. I just think it's something really good that they've done here with the show to bring in Lucius Fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Will we go out of the English League part of the episode? Then? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I suppose there's a couple of kind of sections that make up the English League <laughs> in this episode. Uh, the new Prime Minister elections, obviously a big uh, section of the episode, or at least a, some some really interesting stuff in here. The three major candidates for, uh, for the Prime Minister of England uh, under this very small group um, are Mr. Penhaligon, uh, who's the Cornish Member of Parliament that we talked about earlier on. Yeah. Um, we have John Ripper, um, who we knew has some plans uh, for the country. And we have uh, Mr. Aziz, our Inspector Aziz, all three of them uh, giving their uh, impassioned speeches to the group of uh, of English uh, leaguers that are in the room. Um, so, Mr. Penhaligon, we don't really hear much of it. We just feel that he's quite... Uh, regional focused. He seems to be focused on Cornwall and uh, everywhere west of Tamar, as he calls it. Uh, Tamar being a river and uh, he lives on the other side of that. Uh, so he seems very localised, probably not very good to be standing in front of uh, everybody in London and saying to them, this is uh, my focus is on one small area. Uh, we then get a, our speech from John Ripper as to what he yeah. wants to do to solve the problem that is the Raven Union. Um He wants to release all the prisoners, make them fight it out, fight for the... Uh, for the English League versus the Raven Union, sacrifice their lives, and if any of them do live, then they'll get a royal pardon from the Queen, is is his plan. Yeah, he, he wants the English League effectively to go on the offensive yep. uh, against the Raven Union. There, At the moment, it's really, they're just in a holding pattern, they're not really doing much, and it's therefore practical solutions for action is what he says mm-hmm. uh, and that involves all the criminal elements that are in the prisons yeah. utilize that manpower for violent action to win battles yeah, yeah. Um, and the counterpoint comes in with Aziz then that you know he absolutely agrees that there needs to be action but we have to keep the moral principles that we hold because that will bring people on board we can't turn out like the raven union Mm -hmm. where it's about military it's about authoritarian there has to be that distinction in principle between the two and it seems as though that argument wins the day for aziz um and he gets elected to that role formerly held by the disgraced Archbishop um, Potter. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, it's an interesting argument that's coming from John Ripper here, this idea of turning out the prisons and sending them off to kill your enemies. I feel like that's something that's been used in uh, one of the wars, uh, World War One or World War Two, or even the Vietnam War. It feels like something. Can you think of anything that it might be a reference to, John? Um, this idea of using prisoners as your infantrymen, effectively? Um, the only thing I can think of is probably mercenaries mm-hmm. um, that, you know, they're high, hired, um, you know, swords effectively. Yeah. Uh, and it could be along those kind of ideas. Yeah. Um, and I think of- always the military, certainly in the past, has been, um, you know, a, a useful place for respectable killing. So, it, you know, right. maybe it's already filled with potential murderers and killers but of course, that's the job to do. I mean, there's always that thing. It's like, it's controlled. You're allowed to do it under very specific circumstances mm-hmm. when you go to war and that, you know, the people that flourish there, they flourish within that 
situation, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. So it's not that they're murderers or killers, but maybe there's that tendency towards um, direct action, physical or, you know, violence. Yeah. Because, and that it's channeled in the right way at the right time to get results and therefore um they're integrated into society so mm. i guess there is a bit of that i think mercenaries are that you know thugs for hire effectively yeah, yeah true. So i think it's around the mercenary stuff yeah um, and I, I think this part of it you know this this argument does come around a lot why would they be living off the state in our prisons when we can actually put them to use effectively is the kind of attitude of it it did also because we're in the bat verse here in this story it did also kind of remind me of you know letting the lunatics out of um, out of Arkham Asylum to well, go exactly. crazy on the city. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what it felt like a little bit is, you know, I'm not really too sure whether you want to take every violent prisoner that you've actually captured and put away in a prison uh, for rehabilitation and unleash them on the world. Like, how do you rein them back in afterwards? You know, it yeah. kind of feels that kind of crazy idea. But yes, Aziz becomes the leader. Another little weird thing about this episode for me is just because we'd spent so much time at this presentation, I suppose, of these three leaders that it's such an offhand comment later on when they say Inspector Aziz is now the PM. You know, we don't get an acceptance speech from Inspector Aziz. We don't get a moment where it cuts back to the English League and they say, uh, and, you know, they they have the kind of awarding of him being PM. It's just a a line that's said in in the Raven Union where they're saying, you know, Aziz is now the leader and his duplicity from season one now comes back a little bit where they're saying he could be tempted to make a deal and make an arrangement with us to effectively give us control of London. It's not even to say that um, that the English League would still keep what they're going for. They're saying that Aziz is the type of person you could persuade with a good conversation with him. You know? Well, that's it. I think you, you really get the sense that Francis Gaunt is saying that he's a man that they can work with. Yeah. But with Lord, the, the, the sticking... It, point is that Lord Harwood was arrested by Aziz and really um, doesn't feel in the mood or <laughs> have that generosity to really um, open up that channel with yeah. Aziz. His, his position, I think, now is absolutely we've wasted enough time, we've lingered too long on the outskirts of London, yeah. Manchester, Liverpool, Cornwall. We need to take action and Absolutely. win the war. Absolutely. And I think that's where it's going to clash with Francis Gaunt's approach. And the person behind there pulling all the strings is salt to... Yeah. cause that discontent in high command of the Raven Union. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was a little confused with Harwood saying about um it was Aziz that arrested him and put him in the tower. And then I remembered that was early in season one. That was about episode three, I think, or three or four of, of the season. I thought he I thought he meant at the end of the season. He's talking to Francis Gaunt going, Inspector Aziz arrested me and put me in the tower. And I was going but she was right beside you in the terror. <laughs> she was in a cell right beside you. It wasn't that one. It was earlier on in the season when yeah. uh, when Aziz arrested him and interrogated him. Yeah, uh, well, but also it resulted in Harwood losing his nose yeah. as well. True, very true. So I can understand yeah. uh, why he would be uh, pretty angry with Aziz. But again... We'll have to wait till the next half of the season to see what uh, what's going on and what's going to happen with Aziz. Will he take the duplicitous route of any way out of this war, or uh, will he uh, will he stand up with the English uh, League and uh, go for the win, uh, whatever is necessary, you know, kind of way? So he's saying in his speech that um, we don't have to become as bad as them. Um, we can keep our morals and win the war effectively. And even if we die in that war, somebody else will come up and take our place is what he's, what he's kind of saying. So, uh, so an interesting uh, idea for what's going to come up in the next half of the season. Because Martha is a member of the English League, uh, we are going to talk about uh, Martha and Thomas and uh, his sister Patricia's story uh, from the episode. Does that, that work out okay for you, John? <laughs> Happy enough with that? Yeah, I think that works. You know, <laughs> they're, they're, can, they're connected. I mean, certainly Martha is. And I guess maybe if Thomas is putting um, Lucius Fox into um, as a spy into the Raven Union, then mm-hmm. I think despite maybe his... Um, chain of command telling him that he really has to be on the side of the Raven Union. Maybe he's just subverting that a little. Mm. Okay, we haven't seen this. We don't know this for sure. But that kind of feels as though it could make sense that Thomas Wayne is, you know, he's still gathering intel um, against the Raven Union um, as much as being involved in trying to undermine the English League. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with Martha, absolutely, you know, um, I, I, I really like this. In, 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 
I think they've, you know, they ultimately do get back together to some extent, or at least they're on talking terms again oh, after yeah. what happens after this episode. Um, but I like that Martha was really standing her ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm hoping that the, the get together is just because it's, uh, they seem to have had quite a bit to drink, at least I think Martha has. Oh, yeah, um, and that there's still a bit of frostiness between the two of them. I, I don't want them mm. to just suddenly come back so quickly because I do think, you know, what Thomas has done in, in getting Crowley to, to kill, uh, or at least to um, discredit Potter, and it led to his suicide. You know, I think Martha would've... has taken that quite badly, yeah. and she she feels very strongly. But I do like here that we um, wanted Potter dead. Remember, John, he's very no, clear about no, that. No, I know that, but you know, consequence of actions um, yeah. is what Martha is saying. You can't yeah. just actually abdicate responsibility for it because that was your intention was mm-hmm. to discredit him you didn't know how that would then play out but he does wider. feel bad thomas does feel bad about this no, I, I, get, think, no, I think i think we I may get to does. the point that thomas steps away from his job in the cia because of the kind of things that have happened by the missions he's had to do for them it is his job i guess so um, i guess you'll realize he's yeah. more principled than a spy should be mm-hmm. um but I, I like that martha is still saying well i was invited to patricia's party anyway so i'm going because <laughs> yeah. thomas is trying to get uh martha to go uh with, with him and she's like well i'll be there anyway yeah um, because i was invited the only way in i will be trusting is patricia mm-hmm. and i really like that i liked keeping that tension and I get why they've come together at the end because of this Jacques Duval, uh, who um, Patricia has latched onto. Uh, there's a great moment in the party where Martha is saying, well, Patricia's got enough now. She's not going to um, go too deep in with Jacques Duval. He seems yeah. like a bit of a player, yeah. a bit of a bon vivant uh, that, it, you know, it, it is playing with her here. Um, and then it's like, oh, she'll she'll get over it in two weeks. And then Jack gets down on his knee and proposes to her, and uh-huh. she's like, yes, yes, yes. I love that. I, lo- I just yeah. like the contrast. That was really good. Absolutely, yeah. I have it in the notes as uh, Jacques Duval, the dressmaker, is Patricia Wayne's uh, new fiance for a moment, because <laughs> you can kind of tell this is not going to go well. This is uh, this is not going to be a relationship. You see the way he talks to Martha the whole time from when she's there in front of him. He's looking at her as you're in my next project once I move on from Patricia, basically, you know. But we do hear that this is something that he does do very often. Um, Jack yep. Duval is another person from Gotham. Uh, he's from Gotham City and was driven out of Gotham City for sleeping with the very young heiress to the Elliot uh, family fortune. So um, it seems like he was trying to get in with another member of the of the upper echelon, the the 1% of Gotham, the Wayne family, by uh, by meeting up with Patricia. So, uh, so interestingly, it is another member of another person from Gotham. So three people from Gotham living in London, uh, in the sixties. Interesting. Uh, it was quite a vibrant place, uh, back, back then in the sixties in the real world. Anyway, a lot of people wanted to travel there, especially the party set would, would go to London yeah, for, exactly. uh, for party times. The social um, scene. But I'm not sure events. while a war is going on, uh, whether it would have the same attraction as it did in, re- in the real world <laughs> while it's under lockdown from, um, well, Martha's all, always been there. And it would yes. seem as though, you know, Thomas Lucius are the, on a job. Lucius also from Gotham. Um, and then I guess with uh, Patricia, she was going around Europe anyway beforehand. Uh-huh. So she's still in that neck of the woods. Um, Jacques, don't know, but, you know, London, European fashion scene, maybe if he is a fashion, fashionista is. doing all that kind of stuff. He so to, He seems to know how to, a good birthday suit. When he's yeah, playing. I mean, I, I really <laughs> like the party here as well. Another great scene that they, they put together. I think, um, yeah, I really would want um, the uh, producers of, of of Pennyworth to to sort of create a party um, and decorate and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really know how to do that well. They always look like fun, do they? Yeah, I mean, I think here as well that's important is we do find out from Thomas that he's no longer engaged to Betsy. Yes, um, we do. So that that could be another thing. And I, I You I, had a question over that. I said I, I said that when the line was said by Patricia that he's, that he's no longer together with her. Um, I was kind of going, oh, okay, they broke up. And we haven't even seen her. We haven't heard any phone calls or anything about her. And you kind of questioned that instantly, saying, "Was this just something that Thomas said to keep it could have been. To create a separation between himself and Martha when he arrived back um, on yeah. the CIA, or did he call her up after 
They met again, saying, oh, she's interested. I'm going to cancel this engagement with Betsy. Exactly. Who knows? It may play out a bit more. But we do see, you know, Thomas seducing Martha because uh, Duval, Jacques Duval wants to turn Martha into a butterfly. But Mm. that involves in him trying to seduce her by getting naked once she's in, like, a really gorgeous dress, actually. But little does he know who he's dealing with. I love the fact that Patricia and um, Thomas come back um, Uh and... Duval is hogtied there in the middle of the floor. Yeah. And we get this seduction of, of Martha, or between the two of them, between Thomas and Martha. And there is a nice little phrase. Martha says, I've never been seduced by a crypto-fascist B-word before. Um, <laughs> and I thought that was really, really good. Really um, but I, I wonder if it's going to be full on. I hope not. I hope it's still a little bit more distant so that they can build that trust up again that was lost. Um, okay. But we'll see. We do know a spoiler from this season, um, and we do know the bit. It's not really a spoiler, obviously. We do know that they are the parents of Bruce, so well, we know uh, they exactly. get together eventually. No, I know that. I know that. But I mean, I'm just saying that if if they've taken the time, say, with Bet to get to London and to Peggy, which they yeah. could have done sooner. Yeah. Um, I hope that the reverse doesn't. I, you know, I think a couple of episodes is all I'm saying. It for me, it, it's that idea of making it feel right in the audience's yeah. mind rather than it's like, you know, click of the fingers and they're back together as though what Thomas didn't do hadn't affected Martha. I know it's not, you know, this isn't a real-life drama, but I think, you know, as an audience, you do want to get some sense of, despite all the craziness and weirdness uh, and, um, you know, different time periods, different technologies, you you want to believe that people have operate consistently, uh-huh. even if it's that Bet as a crazy lady is operating normally for a crazy lady right. in your own mind, yeah. however that might play out. Yeah. So that's all. It's more that. I mean, I, of course, they're going to get back together. I hope they do. Yeah. I want to see it done in the right way because it's such an important relationship yeah. for what goes forward with, obviously, old Brucey. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think in a show like this, I'm really glad they took the time to do this kind of side story with Patricia in this episode. Uh, it's not a necessary story by any means, but it's necessary, as you say, to the characters of Thomas and, and Martha to to have them rekindle their relationship because they've been so separated the first four episodes here as well. So it is important to have them uh, rekindle because they have felt so separated. Like, the, the you know, the last couple of episodes have been kind of going, how are these two going to ever reconcile? Uh, considering we know that they are this power couple in Gotham uh, in the future. We know they get together eventually, but yeah. that has to happen at some point and they have to be as a couple at some point for for a while. So uh, so hopefully now they'll, they'll have a bit more time together. But I do, you know, I, I, I do take your point. You know, I don't think Martha's the kind of uh, person who will lie down to and just take whatever it is that Thomas is, is doing. She will be very feisty with him regardless of how long uh, this part of the relationship lasts. There will still be some battles between the two of them as they go on. But uh, But nice to see them together because it does feel like that was cruelly ripped away at the end of last season by the uh, by the gunshot that took Thomas out uh, and sent him back to uh, back to Gotham so uh, so nice to have a little rekindling here uh, of of Definitely. their relationship so i've just got a few notes about the episode just one that i slightly mentioned there uh, about uh, this character of Jacques Duval getting chased out of Gotham because he slept with a 13-year-old heiress to the Elliot family the Elliot family are a very important family in comic books. Uh, Thomas Elliot is one of Bruce's closest friends when he was a child. And in the TV show Gotham, Tommy yeah. Elliot was a bully of Bruce Wayne's until uh, Bruce had enough and finally punched him, which is the first time he'd ever really acted out under the tutelage of uh, of Alfred Pettyworth. Um, but in the comics, yeah, the, the Elliot family and the Wayne family are seen as contemporaries. They're seen as friends. Um, and as I say, Bruce and, uh, and Tommy did hang out quite a lot. So, um, so kind of interesting that uh, Duval has a connection with that family. Yeah. That, that's why he was kicked out of Gotham. I just thought that was a nice little touch in there. And one of the one that I thought was interesting, the Cornish uh, PM candidate, who I just can't stop talking about, obviously, uh, for some reason. Um, he's possibly, he's called uh, Mr. Penhaligon in the show, possibly a reference to a Liberal MP, David Charles Penhaligon, uh, who became a popular MP. He was born in 1940 and would have been an active MP in a junior ministerial sense. So in the junior uh, Liberal 
party back in the early 60s. Uh, very, very popular. Um, so would have been around at this kind of time period if, uh, if we're right in, in Pennyworth being around 66, 67 kind of time. Uh, he would have been around at the right time, became a popular MP, but was passed over at first. Apparently, this is the, the wording from Wikipedia, apparently because of his strong Cornish accent was thought unattractive to the people who made decisions within the party. So I like that they've effectively translated that into him speaking Cornish out of London um, assembly to elect well, the next yeah, prime exactly. minister. And they've, they've all kind of looked at him going, yeah, maybe not you. And so that I, I like the reference that they, they could, did again, take someone from the real world and put them in here. Uh, sadly, uh, David Penhaligon, the, uh, the actual liberal MP died in a car crash in the eighties, but he was uh, tipped as being a, le- a leader of the liberal parties in the, in the UK um, as he'd, uh, developed a really a really uh, positive career and done some really good work in the UK. So just thought it was interesting that they're making that reference. Yeah, I think from my side, it's just, I mentioned it in the synopsis, but we have um, Peggy, who is um, the owner of a new establishment called Sykes Payne for sex aids and books. <laughs> Obviously building on her uh, penchant for this uh-huh. uh, from season one with her... Um, with her house staff. You have two uh, favourite characters, John. Yes, Mr. and Mrs. Spicer, who mm-hmm. were both um, dressed up as gimps, uh, were <laughs> footstools, yeah. um, coffee tables, uh, whipped up a, a nice scrambled egg, literally uh, for breakfast <laughs> with a whip. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it'd be interesting to see what dark and dangerous um, stuff lies within uh Peggy Sykes's new establishment, yeah. uh, for sure. But uh, I thought that was bang on point for Peggy. Excellent. So great to see her thriving uh, through um, through her sex aids and, and books um, <laughs> during the time of war. Absolutely, absolutely. Somebody has to do it. Huh? Exactly. Um, one that I want to just point out from quotes for the episode. Uh, you kind of mentioned earlier on, just to take the line there. Beth says um, that the Lord Mayor. Uh, is going to get a good scragging uh, when she sees him. Scragging is a term for beating up uh, or handling roughly, I think, is the direct uh, direct translation of the term. But I uh, just thought we'd point those out because I know there's a, a lot of you hear some of the uh, Britishisms and uh, find them difficult to translate. Yeah. And I'll admit we're probably the same a lot of the time. Some of the uh, accents that are used, some of the uh, wording that's used in the in the episode are words that we don't hear very often either. So uh, so if you, if you do see any other ones, John, do you have any other yeah, ones? Yeah, well, John think? Ripper does mention to spilling some claret. Oh, yeah. Which is um, blood rather That's than right. actual uh, and expensive wine. Yep. So it's just a red wine, though. Yes, it is so. a red wine. <laughs> um, so yeah, he talks about needing um, the English League to spill some claret. Mm-hmm. Um, and to unleash these criminal hordes. So, yeah, that's about, uh, you know, dropping uh, a lot of blood from uh, putting these criminals into action. Excellent, excellent. I think that's it for yeah, our discussion about the episode. John, how would you rate this episode of Pennyworth? It's a toughie for me, I think. Um, I really did like this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of just feel that there's some aspects here, um, such as with Martha and Thomas, that I hope they... M- kind of just get right moving forward and i i think with alfred uh with the fallout from bowser and this is just my own personal preference i i would have liked to have seen these issues happening in this episode being more to do with bowser than everything getting pent up and some kind of discussion outside of the vision to really understand um alfred um, so I would give this three and a half uh, Sykes pain supplies out of five mm. uh, for me. Okay. But I think it was probably more towards a four. Okay. Um, but I, I think I just need a little bit more reassuring, uh, and that won't be till March now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, three and a half to four. Right, okay. 3.75. Let's cut it there. Let's John. put it there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think it's a, I think it's a really good episode though. Yeah, um, I do. And I think it's a shame that this is our cliffhanger for, uh, for the next couple of months. Um, totally understandable though. You know, Pennyworth is now on the break, uh, on this break until next year. This is on a forced break, um, because filming had to stop in the UK. Yeah, with um, COVID. With all the lockdowns, it was very difficult to get back to work for, for filming for these shows. Um, there was a conversation that I saw with Jack Bannon and myself and John have talked about this off air, John. I don't think we've mentioned it on the podcast, though. But there was an interview with Jack Bannon where he kind of said they had to retool the show a bit as well uh, because of all these uh, the filming restrictions where um, everybody has to obviously be completely 
uh, clear of COVID before they can they can film together. So uh, so he did say that a lot of uh, bigger action sequences where it was one on one fighting have been changed to a bit more dialogue heavy. Uh, so that's probably a good thing in this show you know that they're not it's not always action there is a lot of dialogue uh alfie being the kind of person he is he can kind of talk himself in and out of a lot of situations so it'll be interesting to see how it actually pans out when the show comes back uh in march but it did have to go on a break i'm um it, it's very good of them to actually have the episode out yeah definitely at this time at least give us some penny worth because it was almost uh what a year and a half i think since the last season or a year at least since the last season finished before the first, before the season started. So we've had quite a long time without Pennyworth in our lives. So we can put up with a couple more months, can't we? Exactly. Uh, you know, I think it's great that the, they've put out these first four and, you know, they, they just have to go on this, um, enforced break, um, in order to bring the other final, uh, group of episodes, um, to the screen in their, you know, their final, um, form. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I do like this episode a lot, you know, 3.75. Um, it is a very good recommend, uh, from me, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. I suppose I, I'm, you know, I'm just, there's just a few things that are, are kind of creeping in. I, you know, that I'd like re- resolved. I think Martha and Thomas in a satisfactory way. I think. Now that Beth is with Peggy, I expect it to speed up and yeah. her to be more involved. But yeah. I, I'm hoping she's not kept on the periphery uh, for any more time. Um, and I, I think that um, I, I think the main thing that's been possibly lost in this is just the fallout from uh, Bazo. Yeah, but what whatever. we did have was good, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So um, you know, I feel like that is, given the season is short uh, as it is with uh, with ten episodes within a season, I, I doubt they would have done any kind of massive break like this no. had the circumstances been different in the UK where they're where they're filming. You know, if it was filmed in the US, they probably wouldn't have been back to work now. There's been calls for all uh, filming to stop completely in the in the US. So uh, at least we've had the film and the film com- completed. I think in October. Um, so that that's been done, but obviously there's so much else that goes into a TV show. Uh, so taking this break is is definitely the right thing to do. But I think you'd probably, from a story perspective, breaking it into two halves, potentially one more episode, uh, to kind of get us with a much bigger cliffhanger going into the rest of the season. Well, I guess um, that you know, given they didn't know COVID was going to happen, yeah. you know, it would have finished on Baza dying. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Kind of thing, really. Yeah. That That's where, I guess, if you're wanting to do a really big shock, yeah. that's where you would have done it. Or that the big shock would have been, if it was another episode, would have been, you know, the deployment of Project Stormcloud maybe. or something like that. Yeah, but it would make it even weirder to have it at the death of Baza since that was on episode three and this was part of the two-part uh, mid-season finale doing episode three and four back to back you know so uh, not only did they give us uh not give us that as a cliffhanger they didn't even give us a week cliffhanger uh where they had, had a one week and then the episode four the following week uh again still quite shocked about the loss of bazaar from the show um i would love to see him stay on and i know i know john you uh you yeah. miss him in this episode as well uh but nice that, that we at least had uh, a bit of him at the beginning of the episode yeah definitely so we got a little bit of feedback in in between episodes from Angie Arhus. Uh, Angie says, R.I.P. Baza. This episode was very grim indeed. Between the unexpected death of Baza and the suicide of the Archbishop, I agree with you guys. Baza's death seems a waste of a very good character. I'll be very upset if his death was just the result of a petty theft and it doesn't at least tie back into another major storyline. But I really would have liked him to continue on. And to be honest, Dave Boy should be dead, should be the dead one. He really is kind of a gross character. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the feedback, Angie. Um, yeah, Dave Boy, I suppose it's one of those weird things, isn't it? He's really, he's kind of the, the manly, quiet type, uh, who just drinks, um, all the time. And as we mentioned in this episode, we don't really see the fallout of the death of his best friend. We just see him drinking more, which is kind of Dave Boy's, uh, go-to thing, isn't it? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Angie. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think, um, Dave Boy has seems to have gotten off lightly here, mm. uh, for sure. And you, you just kind of wonder how it will play out. Um, it all seems on Alfie, as we've said, uh, in the podcast. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, I agree. I, I think it still holds for me. Uh, I, I would love to see, um, Baza back even as this vision for Alfie for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'll be, that would be on point for Alfie, who has these 
dreams, visions, memories, uh, specters that visit him. Yeah. Um, uh, to really sort of highlight that troubled sense. Um, I think, yeah, Dave Boy, um, I would have loved to have seen his character sort of just have not melt down, but have some kind of um, remorse for the fact that it was his loose tongue that effectively sank uh, Baza. Uh, and I think that would have been a nice playoff between both Alfie and Dave Boy yeah. uh, feeling guilt for different reasons um, uh, and seeing them work through that for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing I suppose to remember is that Dave Boy's been shot, what, four times and still hasn't died. So um, <laughs> yeah. I wonder, will we ever get an explanation as to how he survived other than just luck? <laughs> They are in the world of DC Comics. They can have a an in-universe explanation for him having some form of superpower. <laughs> but yes, really sad to see Baza go. And thanks once again, Angie, for your feedback. Yeah, thanks, Angie, for the episode three feedback. Uh, really good. Thank you. That's it for Pennyworth podcast for the first half of season two of uh, of Pennyworth. Uh, we will be back in March, as we mentioned. We may, may get uh, something else uh, out in advance on the Pennyworth podcast feed. Perhaps there's some some uh, some new trailer might come out, or we might get some uh, something else to talk about before uh, Pennyworth comes out in March. But it's not that long away. And if you do want to keep up with the things that we are doing other than Pennyworth, you can follow us on TVPodcastIndustries.com. Subscribe to the podcast there, or find us or any good or evil podcast catcher. Just search TV Podcast Industries. Yeah, you can support us in any way uh, you wish through subscribing, rating us, leaving a review sending in feedback on our episodes mm-hmm. or supporting us over on our patron at patreon.com forward slash tv podcast industries we have at the moment wonder woman uh, that was released over the christmas that is also on offer if you have managed to check that out on hbo max oh, yeah. uh, and of course yes we will as derek has said be back um later uh, in 2021 around March sometimes, as we know so far, for the final six episodes of Pennyworth. Mm -hmm. Yep. Feels weird to take a break after four episodes. It does. It's really weird. (laughs) Nothing we can do about it, though. Uh, And as I mentioned before, we will be back with WandaVision on Disney Plus from January 15th. Um, At the moment, myself and John are talking about the Disney Plus Marvel Comics documentary, Marvel 616. Uh, You'll get those on the main feed on tvpodcastindustries.com. Wanted to do some Marvel Comics uh, coverage before we get back into Marvel TV in 2021. Uh, But you'll get them over on our main feed on tvpodcastindustries.com or we're releasing them a little bit early over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash tvpodcastindustries. Thanks so much once again for joining us. We'll talk to you again in 2021. Yeah, thank you so much, fellow governors, for joining us for this mid-season finale of Pennyworth. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's great discussing uh, these shows with you. Um, As we say, west of the Tamar, uh, keep watching, keep listening, Yarp. (laughs) Aren't we east of the Tamar, John? We are. No, actually, we are west. We are west, okay. We are west of the Tamar. Excellent, excellent. Just west with also a huge body of water called the Irish Sea between us and a different country. That is true, that is true. (laughs) Talk to you again soon. Bye. Yarp. Bye. Bye.